Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. On my way through Dublin city centre to the Premier Sports Studios on Saturday, I couldn't escape the feeling there was a sporting event on nearby that threatened to take a few eyeballs away from the Southampton Spurs match that I was going into work on. Even the local cafe was taken over for some corporate Six Nations event throwing my morning routine into complete meltdown rattling me it was the kind of adversity that Andy Farrell's Ireland of course thrive on so that's what I told myself as I had to walk away and find some food elsewhere thankfully the game itself the Southampton game that is ended up being a bit of a cracker Antonio Conte's press conference grenade throwing has made it into a pretty big story and Kenny Cunningham came to the rescue in the food front guys bringing in some extremely delicious chocolate eclairs from Super Value hey Ken hey Murph Owen, how are you? Hey, Owen, how's it going? Tell us more about the eclairs, on. You'd eat chocolate eclairs on an empty stomach, would you? Uh, well, I did, to be fair. I, that was just for a tidy intro to the show. I mean, I did actually get the normal You did get breakfast first. elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, I got breakfast then. But, you know, I was, you know, the mid-afternoon slump, you need a little bit of a sugar rush from time to time. And Kenny came to the rescue there. Chocolate eclairs, there was a little bit of, mm. what else did he have in there? Coffee cake, poof, a little bit of some sort of a sponge cake kind of job as well. Wow. You know, I don't know. Wow. I mean, I have I have dropped hints over the years. I've dropped the Moisey hints over the years, and Kenny mm. doesn't always seem to have picked up on those cues. So it was nice for him what to deliver on, on this, uh, this day weekend of all. Yeah, I mean, what what, yeah. what what happened? What 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 was different this week that uh, convinced Kenny he should go into like super value as well? Mm. I mean, you know, yeah. he's not the best of the best. Yeah. Did they send it down a shoot? Was all that going on? I don't know. I, I don't, can't, can't be sure. <laughs> it was also somewhat heartening to get a tweet after the match because the post-match analysis like started at five o'clock, you know, in and around then. It's like, nobody's watching. But uh, some people, of course, some people were watching. Like Jody here saying, oh, and World Cup levels of injury time there. Of all days, still, us Irish Saints fans don't mind. No, it was a good, good day. Certainly a good last 20 minutes or last few minutes for Southampton fans of every stripe. Not so good for Tottenham. Antonio Conte's absolutely bizarre post-match stuff is something we'll get into today, Ken, but I think we should probably start with a man that we're all getting very excited about in the run-up to the Latvia and France games. Evan Ferguson scoring a couple of goals at just the right time. Yeah, very good goals as well, aren't they? I mean, he's just so good. And, and it's the same, I mean, this is happening at the same time as 
France are just losing defender after defender. It's like they don't want to come here. Um, Saliba obviously has has got a back injury. He's had to pull out of the France squad. Uh, Wesley Fofana's had to pull out of the France squad. Obviously, Raphael Varane pulled out. The but he retired of the just as soon as he yeah, as soon as soon as he saw Ferguson's early form, he's like, I'm out of here. So this. you know, it's, um, it's it's pretty exciting, aren't? It's all pretty <laughs> exciting. Um, yeah, two two great goals. One with the right foot, one with the left foot. Lovely. What what's impressive about him is how efficiently he sort of does things. You know, he just takes little yeah, touches. First and one bang. in particular was so nicely done, and even the finish didn't seem to hit it hard at all. No. And yet the keeper's nowhere near it. It's just beautifully done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, I'm I'm I am getting a little bit excited. On still a week to go. For this game, obviously we're playing Latvia on Wednesday night, so we'll probably have more to talk about Ferguson-wise. We will, and we will talk about that for our World Service members, of course, secondcaptains.com. So, Brighton have been drawn against uh, Man United in the semi-final of the FA Cup. Uh, Manchester United obviously got there. Looked for a while as though they weren't going to get there. It looked as though they weren't going to get there, and then... Things change. Things can change fast in football, and they change. I've, but they seldom change as fast as they did for Fulham uh, in a 60-second period in the second half of this game. So they're leading the match um, 1-0, doggedly hanging in there. United can't really get it together. You know, things haven't been, haven't been going for them. Uh, and then uh, a breakthrough, Jaden Sancho. He's going to score at the near post. William comes across, handles the ball. Uh, subtly enough so that the referee doesn't actually see it first time, but not subtly enough to fill the cameras. It's pretty obvious that he's handled the ball and goal, and that's going to be a red card. We know that. Um, but what happened at that point was Marco Silva, uh, first of all, gets sent off immediately when he when he approaches the referee at the uh, at the VAR screen, which. Uh, I don't know if it was the culmination of something, you know, if if it was like there was a lot of stuff that he'd been listening to from Marco Silva or whether it's just considered to be an absolute no-no to sort of go there, to to, to sort of approach that area and it's going to be an automatic red card. But he gets sent off. And then I don't know exactly what was going on in the head of Alexander Mitrovic. Maybe he thought, well, William's just been, William's being sent off. Uh, Marco Silva, my manager's been sent off. I'm the senior man here. I have to show leadership now. The, The players, they look to me to stand up for Fulham and Fulham's interests. And, um, well, this is the moment when... I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens now. Um, Because Mitrovic uh, approaches the referee. He's obviously complaining. He's sort of wagging his finger. And then as the referee ignores him, he gets his attention by kind of roughly <laughs> elbowing him in the arm and then getting uh, getting back into his face, wagging his finger and invading his space. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what are you doing? It's just an absolute suicide mission. The referee whips out the red card immediately. He's gone. The question now is whether he's going to get uh, an exemplary ban mm. for... Because he walks for, the you referee know, back about 10 yards, like like l- glowering over him, like shouting into his it face. It was a bit like the, the Man United card. players. I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah, like it's, yeah. Who was it? Do you remember the ref, the, the Yapstam and Keane and all the United players going after that referee? And he just had to keep stepping back yeah, yeah, yeah. as a bunch of Man United players marauded towards him. It was, it was only this is only a one man operation, really, by Mitrovic. But yeah, same thing. The ref, the ref could have stood his ground, but then you're into an eyeball to eyeball, like literally a head to head. Yeah, with Alexander which is Mitrovic. Not really something the ref wants to be getting involved in, or anyone probably wants to get involved in with Alexander Mitrovic. To be fair. 
No, I mean, you shouldn't have a referee, you know, it shouldn't be a situation that a referee is supposed to, you know, stand there exposing his kill points, you know, this isn't really, uh, we we shouldn't expect that from the referee. Um, The question now is whether he's going to, like, be banned for a a whole bunch of games. I mean, I've seen some Mark Halsey, I think, um, you know, the ex-ref saying, oh, they need to throw the book at this guy. Like, uh, people talking about 10 match bans. I mean... Uh, one thing that's come up a lot is the uh, is the comparison with the Bruno Fernandez. Uh, Bruno Fernandez obviously scored two goals in the game, including the penalty that was happening at this point. Uh, Bruno Fernandez sort of pushing the linesman at Anfield, and nothing happening to him. And now we're talking about oh, you know, Mitrovic being bad for six games or ten games or whatever, you know, missing the rest of the season for Fulham um, because of what he's done. Uh, I think those instances are a bit different, though. I mean, if you actually look at what happened with Fernandez, he's He's kind of, he does put his hand on the linesman. That is true. But he's sort of moving him out of the way. He's, he's sort of trying to run past him. He doesn't really, he doesn't really push him. He, doesn't, he certainly doesn't aggressively confront the referee at a moment of maximum crisis in the game. Like the referee's just sent off two, he's, he's just sent off two, he showed two red guards in like 15 seconds. And that's the moment that you choose to go up and, um, and push him. It's hard to really understand. Not the, a clever uh, move. There was there was one even there, there actually was one in the Southampton game where the, one of the Southampton players kind of pulled the referee, but it was almost again it, like you're saying uh, there is a thing, just you don't put your hands in the referee. But if that was the case, there would be a lot a lot of red cards. There are some that like the Southampton one was more a ref look at this and he's it's just kind of I'm walking you over to you know whereas like when you're right in a in amongst it like Mitrovic is. But I don't know. Do you think it should be a, a lengthy ban? I think you should get one extra game. I Just don't to show really, that it's a different that, that, that you shouldn't do it. Because, like, I mean, the, the idea of banning him for, like, you know, more than four matches. I mean, four matches a big, is a big ban. Like, and this is, like, their main striker. They're trying not to get relegated. It's huge. Like, I think an extra game is fine, um, you know, to, to sort of say you can't you can't do this. I mean, it's, an, it's a, obviously an immediate red card if you do it. And then... It's a bad red card because you can't sort of have a go at the at the referee. Um, that would seem to me to be to be loads. I mean, but, so you're in favour of anarchy. Well. That's fine. That's fine. No, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not in favor uh, you're, of that's basically what you're saying here. I mean, I'm just uh, not in uh, favour uh, of like insanely draconian punishments for things which are, you know, when you look at it, understandable, but at the same time should be strongly discouraged. Understandable. I mean, none of that was, none of it was, I mean, Marco Silva's was the most uh, baffling of all. I mean, well, Silva, I don't, Silva, I I, I guess, assumed he wasn't going to be sent off. You know, that's, that was in his, he, I don't think he, he does what he does there if he expects that, that that it's going to result in a a red card. I I just find the, the, everything about this to be so bizarre given the the nature of the original offence which was you know which was going to lead to the penalty being awarded and the player getting sent off which is just the most cut and dried red red card in the entire rule book I mean if you handle the ball yeah. on the goal line to, to save a goal yeah, you be will bad, be getting yeah. sent off and you mm. will be giving a, giving away a penalty so the idea that you could lose two extra members of staff 
because of mm. that decision is just completely... See, the other thing about it that I'm, that I'm just thinking about now is, is also his reaction to actually to being sent off. Like, so he did the thing that he got the red card for, which in itself, you know, could be an extra one. But then he, he obviously felt so wronged by this that he stayed sort of raging on pitch yeah. for ages and kept being sort of held back by different people, but coming back to shout at the referee. So, okay, maybe they, uh, <laughs> they, might, they might consider that to be an extra game as well because it was, it was obviously not a good example. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but it was. It turned out the game turned out well for Manchester United. Now they've got to play against uh, Evan Ferguson. The new game is Sheffield United against Manchester City. So um, we'll expect Man City to get through that. What an amazing season this is going to be for Evan Ferguson. He could could get into an FA Cup final. Could qualify Brighton could for the qualify Champions for the League. World Cup. Could score a hat trick against yeah. France. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> not that we're not that we're putting too much pressure on the lad. He's only eighteen, after all, on his broad. Also, that, that Arsenal that. game yesterday wasn't on TV again, right? Correct. What What are they doing? <laughs> what is, is this? Too, too hot insane. for television. Yeah. Arsenal's X-rated title charge. Like we can't we can't risk screening this. Like I just find this absolutely incredible. I don't know. It's like oh well, you know, it's the FA Cup weekend, and this like uh, agreements have have been made to show certain games, and some of the games have been postponed, and you know, there's a certain amount of times you show. Put some flexibility into those agreements. How many how many times has this team that's winning the league at the moment that's that's playing brilliantly has just has has not been televised? It's it's just, it's just idiotic. Well, thank the Lord for ridiculous. Premier Sports here in uh, the Republic of Ireland, Ken. Is all I can well, say. we've been uh, we've been able to see. Yeah, some of it. you know you know what games coming up on Saturday first of April. Saturday Arsenal have another Arsenal have another first three p.m. on Saturday kickoff. Oh, another three p.m. Saturday. Who is it? Arsenal Man City Sports. Again, the UK the UK audience will not be happy because that'll be another one. What, what, sorry, in, what game is it? In the UK, but yeah, no, Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal leads. So basically, Saturday first of April, coming in off the back of Man City at Liverpool's on a half twelve. That's obviously that's that's not a Premier Sports game. Then, but you know, coming in off the back of that game to do an Arsenal Leeds match, that'll be a good one. That's a, that's a good one to flag. Well done. Wow, Rick. it is quite. I mean, again, thank you to so Premier you go, Sports, okay. but. Yeah. If I was a UK-based Arsenal fan, I would be inclined to be asking some questions about this TV deal <laughs> that has managed to miss it, the entire title like, charge. Yeah, yeah. How, how are you telling me that you can't that, you, that there isn't some flexibility in those countries that you can't say, well, this happens, so now we can well, change? Per- particularly, particularly, right, because the Premier League was supposed to be very thankful to the TV companies for their understanding during the the yeah. COVID, you know, and the flexibility that the TV companies and, you know, not demanding all the money that maybe there that could, could have mm. been. Do you remember there was all that going on that because the fixtures weren't being fulfilled, there were going to be issues. So the relation is meant to be very good and hence the, the TV deal for the following three years was given to the same companies and all this kind of stuff. So you would have thought there'd be, a, like you're saying, maybe a bit of give and take there where the TV companies can also say, uh, look, these matches are getting booted around the place. Can we now show them? Maybe we're actually I, I, I don't not know how showing anything. Know, yeah, I don't know. Do they ask? You know, do they? Do they? Do they go to the mask? I don't know. We're showing like a windsurfing yeah, program. You know, we could always put on the Arsenal game. Uh, the game itself also looked really good. I mean, based on the highlights, which is all I saw of it, um, like really good football from actually from Palace. I mean, Palace had sacked Patrick Vieira, which was a kind of a. Um, I, I wouldn't say unexpected. I mean, if he literally hadn't won a match in 2023 um, in the league, so pff, not great. You know, you, you are in that situation where having been, you know, before the World Cup, Palace was thought, well, at least we don't need to worry about getting relegated this season. Now it's kind of like, well, you know, we kind of actually need to win some matches now. Now in this 
Arsenal game, Zaha actually could have scored a hat-trick. Um, it was interesting watching Zaha because he was playing like a guy who almost felt like he was the only player for his team on the field. Like, it, it, there wasn't really much of an effort to link up with the others. It was just like, I'm going to have to do this myself. And he nearly did. I mean, you know, the, another day he would have had a hat-trick. Uh, in the end, it was all about Saka, Martinelli. Like, the the goal, the first Martinelli goal was so... Or, or Martinelli's goal to, to um, open scoring was so good. Um, yeah, yeah. He's flying it, by the way. Yeah, he's really got back into it. Six, six goals and six. You know, Trossard, I think, has yeah. helped. Trossard obviously set up a goal for Saka. Saka is... I guess Saka is, is the best English player now, you know? He's kind of in the zone where... Like Rooney was in two thousand and five, six, I'd say, you know, about to win. Well, I mean, it looks like his first uh, league title. I mean, City weren't playing in the league because obviously they had to play um, in the cup, and and Holland scored another hat trick. I saw. <laughs> I was like what? It's just insane. Just <laughs> yeah, totally crazy. Apparently, uh, yeah. So yeah, Martin Keown. I saw his him do an interview with Saka afterwards, where he seemed to. That's it. No fear. He kept talking about fear and like, <laughs> like stop talking to me about that. Uh, he, he, uh, you know, maybe he'll win player of the year. And I, I thought you could see Saka think, yeah, I think there might be someone actually who's going to win that. <laughs> it's gonna, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean any of my Arsenal teammates, all of whom, many of whom have had absolutely fantastic seasons. But I just think in an individual award sense, uh, there's a certain, there's a way I expect that one to go. And uh, I'm not sure if you guys agree with me, but uh uh, I think Erling Haaland is probably going to win Player of the Year. Yeah. But oh, sorry, um, sorry, I was just going to mention Casemiro's uh, suspensions counting against him. But no, you're probably right. Haaland is the man, all right. <laughs> and then Everton, um, yeah, might not quite happen. Coming, for I mean, Chelsea's little Renaissance stops in his tracks by Everton. Um, Sims just destroying Kaladu Kulabali, um in a way which going to be awkward for Kulabali That one, I wouldn't be surprised if. He's not playing so much from now on. I mean, he just can't be individually beaten so badly by a guy. Um, so that one finished too well. But um, what was the other... I mean, you, you mentioned... Uh, what was it? The, the biggest game, I suppose, on over the weekend was actually the one in Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona-Real Madrid, which was not attended by Ferentino Perez for the first time, I think, since he's been the Real Madrid president. He didn't go. Because, unfortunately, everyone in Spanish football is a little bit disappointed by Barcelona paying 7 million euros to a high-ranking member of the refereeing system over a 17-year period. <laughs> All the other clubs are, are thinking, hey, you know, we really need to hear a better account of what exactly was going on here. Um, when Barcelona are kind of retreating into, well, you know, we're actually the victims here and everyone's against us and it's the Madrid media stitching us up and it's not a coincidence this stuff is coming out now just at a time because people are always trying to bring us down and they, they're jealous of our values. Like George Bush saying, they hate our freedoms. Um, Juan Laporta is saying, they, they are jealous of our values. They know that we're a club with values and that's why they're trying to smear us and smear our badge with these... Uh, evidently factual reports of us paying 7 million euros to this high up guy in the refereeing system just to make sure everything was in order in that refereeing system you understand we knew it was so biased against us that we had to pay a guy to ensure that it was neutral <laughs> this, this is a, this is what Barcelona this is as, as, as much as they've managed to to come up with so far now they did win the game last night obviously they had a goal uh, ruled out against them 
um, which looked like it was going to win. Uh, Marco Asensio with a with a goal. I think I might refer to him as Sergio Asensio in the in print again. Um, <laughs> he is, of course, Marco. Oh no! Oh, no. I think I did. You know, I, I don't know. I haven't checked it, but I think I I think I did. Sergio Asensio. There was a similar sounding guy years ago playing for a different club, and for some reason, that part of my brain just is. It's just a ball of plaque now, and uh, <laughs> it just won't. It just won't unlearn. It's Marco. Uh, Marco Sensi. His goal was ruled out for offside. Um, once again, uh, the VAR uh, for, uh, friends to Barcelona, and then uh, Frank Kessie scores the winner um, in the ninety second minute. So it was two one. Um, there was an OG by Arujo, and uh, then an equaliser by Sergio Roberto before that. But um, I mean, again, the the whole situation hasn't hasn't been uh, there's there's no there there was for instance some new information um in the form of you know the way the the guy um Negrera, the guy who Barcelona were paying was supposedly meant to be giving them like reports on referees this is sort of one of the things this is what he was telling the taxman oh i was doing reports you know they they were paying me that money for reports because they were like we don't understand why you were getting all this money what was it for um, one of the alleged reports that he uh, produced was um, was published uh, over the weekend, and I was just looking at it, thinking, "This is like, this is amazing," you know. Like, th- so, so it was a three page report. Uh, it was about this referee um, Ferreira, who Ferrero, who, who was going to be in charge of the match on October seventh, twenty twelve, between uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Ended two all. Messi two goals. Ronaldo two goals. Um, and it was just a, a report about the referee who was going to be taking charge of that game. And it starts off by saying, well, you know, he's refereed Madrid X amount of times and he's given them like two penalties and he's given one penalty against them. You know, this, this kind of stuff. It's like stuff you can literally just look up. You know, he's he's taken charge of X many Real Madrid games and X many Barcelona games and he's, you know. Yeah. And then the last page of it, there was three pages. The last page was more sort of data like that, just appearance data, like transfer marked stuff. You know what I mean? Like, not this is not like high level research. Like, this is anyone can look this stuff up. And then in the middle, there was there was some comments about his refereeing style. So it had stuff like, oh, uh, you know, he's um, he likes to let the game flow basically. So he he likes to play advantage. Uh, but so remember, if he doesn't like simulation, so don't provoke him with dives. You know, he is way of he, he often punishes uh, dives, um, but. He does. Um, he likes to let the game flow. So if you, if we do get a, if we do think we're fouled in front of the penalty area, go down because otherwise he might not give the free kick. You know, make sure he gives it uh, in that area of the pitch. You know, the, like comments like this, or he doesn't often punish descent, which I suppose means you can probably Mitrovic him up a little bit. You know what I mean? He's he also he's he's not very uh, physically fit. Uh, he, so he often gets left behind the play on counterattacks and stuff. But again, it's sort of all stuff which you could learn simply by watching the referee. You know what I mean? There's no need that I can see to pay someone nearly half a million euros a year for 17 years to point out like obvious stuff like this, which in any case is of apparently no value because very, uh, I mean, because uh, for one thing, uh, I'm not aware of any Barcelona player so far. There's a couple who've come out and said we never saw any such report. Uh, any Bar- Barcelona player or coach who said, yeah, oh yeah, I remember those reports. They were really important. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, Valverde, the coach who was, mm. who, who was there uh, recently for a couple of seasons, like, well, I mean, I, I'm, I didn't get any of these reports. You know what I mean? So it was, it was kind of like, but it was also interesting to see this, 
this like um, um, dull uh, document sort of treated as like it was, oh, this is like seek some kind of secret knowledge. Um, again, that, that whole story is, is, yeah. is going on. I mean, there was a similar kind of story in that it involved a... Uh, uh, what 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 what's what was the phrase uh, football IP? Um, what was the phrase? Was it uh, Ty Furlong using? Um, yeah, rugby IP. Rugby yeah, IP. Yeah. Well, some football, some important football IP uh, leaked out uh, uh, from Bayern Munich last week, um, where uh, Build the tabloid printed three three photographs of various tactical sheets that um, had been given to the Bayern Munich players by their manager, um, Julian Nagelsmann, uh, which essentially showed their what he wanted their dispositions to be at when they had a goal kick, you know, an attacking goal kick where he wanted people to be standing, um, when the other team had a goal kick, um, and also, what was the other one, When essentially when we're attacking. You know, so in these different situations, th- these are the formations I want us to to take up. But again, literally so, stuff that you could tell by by just sitting at a match watching Byron playing and go, okay, they've got a goal kick. You, you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's sort of. Yeah, yeah. So he's then going nuts over there's there's a mole. He had a really weird quote actually about how um, moles are a protected species. Uh, he kind of contained his team a little bit because you know they lost. I don't. I don't want to point out that you've got competition on on April first, but Bayern are playing Dortmund on April first, and Dortmund are now leading the German title race and could, you know, obviously if they win that game, it's looking as though they could maybe win the league for the first time since 2012. Bayern have won every single league title since then. Um, Nagelsmann's now calling his team lazy. Um, I've rarely experienced, this is Sally Hammonds, I've, I've rarely experienced so little drive, so little mentality, so little assertiveness um, from our team. Um, and and Nagelsmann is hunting a mole. Um, the person who transmits this harms each of the players. What is he looking for? What are you waiting for? I don't see what the motivation could be beyond making it easier for our opponents. Moles are a protected species. Every time you drive through the countryside, you see 80,000 moles and you can't get rid of them. <laughs> like... What? I mean, I've never, literally, I don't think I've ever seen a mole in real life. <laughs> yeah. You know? Have you ever seen a mole? Yeah. <sighs> Hold on a second now. Not, not that I've been able to identify. Do you have moles in Ireland? Is a mole? Is no, I'm thinking of a stoat. Is what I'm thinking of. It's a completely different creature. Yeah, there was a, an absolutely hilarious photograph in the Tomb Herald a number of uh, years ago of my father and three other people from Milton posing in front of a captured stoat. Uh, they call, it, it's a uh, stoat is a riverside animal, isn't it? I, I mean, think it is. I think it is. Uh, and one thing is, it's 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 a fairly small animal. I mean, I, I'm used to seeing people posing next to like the the swordfish they just caught or whatever. But yeah. I mean, a stoat. Like, I mean, it's a live like, stoat. I mean, I, uh, what happened? Oh, after it was alive. Yeah, yeah. I do, I don't know what happened to the <laughs> the photograph was taken. Nothing. Uh, Nothing good to ward, I'm sure. I'm sure he was just relocated to a less damaging part of the Irish ecosystem. But, but how is it? How I mean, a stoat, a stoat is not the kind of thing that you would like to handle after capturing it if it was alive. You know, oh, you know, I, they're angry little whores. There's no doubt about that. Very. So very someone angry. holding him, holding him down. No, no, he was in a table. cage. He was in a cage, kid. I don't know how they there was put him, got him into the cage, but yeah. Oh, okay. So it was Ken the mole. Yeah. No, I, 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 so I mean, there's. 
you know, there was a problem. There was a problem with uh, Stuart overpopulation in the greater Milltown region. And, mm. I mean, steps were taken. I don't think I have to go into too much more detail. Uh, as for a mole, though, I mean, I've, ne- I've never seen a mole. The mole can be found throughout Europe, but not in Ireland, ah, according okay. to a quick okay. Dairy Journal, uh, Google search mm. uh, happened upon here. It is believed the reason why there are no moles St. in Patrick. Ireland is because the sea level rose okay. quickly during the Ice Age. Uh, St. Patrick, yeah. It rose quickly during the Ice Age, which meant that the animals, like several other it's uh, like several other mammals were not able to make it across the sea. Wow, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Germany's obviously, they've got more of them, including in the Bayern dressing room. But look, again, this is all only leading up to the um, the main event of the weekend, which, of course, Owen, as you referred to at the beginning, was Tottenham Hotspur Football Club uh, going to Southampton, scoring three goals from three shots on target, and then drawing three all by giving away a penalty, a somewhat dubious penalty I would have thought but a penalty nonetheless in the last uh, in injury time to eventually draw 3-0 against the relegations right in Southampton mm-hmm. now this is obviously very disappointing for Tottenham and for none more than their manager Antonio Conte but here we are used for a long time and then yeah it's uh, the club has the responsibility for the transfer market. Uh, every coach that stay here has the responsibility, and the players, the players, where are the players? About my experience, I, I I can tell you that if you want to be competitive, if you want to fight, you have to improve under this aspect. And now this aspect for me in this moment is really really low, and. I see only 11 players that play for, uh, for uh, themselves. So we can, we can tell at a pretty early point. I mean, he'd already kind of gone on for a couple of minutes by the time he got to that clip. But, you know, there's one direction where this is going. There's one group. There's one protected yeah. group. Mole, in Germany, moles. In Tottenham, <laughs> players, which are, are being protected. And uh, that's the direction which Antonio Conte wants to turn the heat. So let's just play this next clip with the with the question that comes in, because this questioner obviously makes the mistake of suggesting that maybe Antonio Conte, as the manager of this team, has something to do with the situation or could perhaps, through his actions, have influenced the situation somewhat. Do you think your position, the uncertainty of your future... But you, you, are, fi- you are finding an alibi, another, another alibi. You try to find alibi and an excuse for, for, for the players. Okay, continue, continue to do this, to find excuse for the players. You do only this, you do only this, excuse for the players. Yeah, but the players, maybe my, my future, and then okay, they, they, lost, they lost confidence, they lost spirit, they lost to, to be a team. Excuse, 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 try to protect, try to protect every time and uh, this situation. Ah. Come on, come on, come on. We are professional. We, we, we paid, the club paid us a lot of money. The players receive money. Me, receive money. You understand? Not to be, to find excuse and uh, don't have spirit or, or, or don't show the sense of belongings or don't show uh, sense of responsibility because we are showing this. And for me, this is unacceptable for me. Because this is the first time in my career to see a situation like this. 
Yeah, yeah. The uh, it's the first time in his career because I think uh, you know if anyone wasn't aware, people need to know this about Antonio Conte. He doesn't uh, usually manage little scrub clubs like Tottenham. He usually is he a serial winner by any chance? Oh, uh, he's a he's a serial he's a serial winner who usually uh, manages top teams that are competing for important prizes, not some little. Uh, team like Tottenham uh, where it's just basically conspiracy to protect these uh, players who have been terrible for so long and only he can see it so this continues uh, I like the question I think we've left <laughs> we've left this question I like I like this question in a press conference keep it simple why Antonio why do you think it is like this why bah, I don't know because they are used to here they're used to here don't play for uh, for uh, for something important, yeah. And uh, they don't play. Uh, they don't want to play under pressure. They don't want to play under stress. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's easy in this way. And Tottenham, Tottenham story is this: twenty years that there is the owner and never won something. But why? Only for the, the fault is only for the club or for the every manager that stay uh, here. And uh, I have seen eh, the manager that Tottenham had on the bench. You risk to disrupt the figure of the manager and to protect the other situation in every moment. And now, and now uh, until now, I try to hide the situation. But now, no. Because, I repeat, I don't want to see what I have seen today. So there, so there you go. I mean, I think that's... I think that's probably the the kind of the moment at which Daniel Levy realized this had to stop. I mean, he because because he was being. I mean, I know that there's supposedly been talks uh, between Conte and Todd, crisis talks where he's clarified that he didn't mean, you know, when he said twenty years there is the owner and they have never won something, that he didn't mean to say, well, it's because the owner is useless. It's because. Obviously, what he meant was for 20 years, the players have been letting this owner down. Um, everyone here always attacks the manager. I've seen great managers here at Tottenham. I've seen the managers who are here. So he's kind of claiming that himself, Jose, Poch, they've all been let down in the same way. Uh, he also says Tottenham's story is this. So it's as though he's literally quoting the taunts that... Like, he's directing mm-hmm. the taunts to Tottenham fans here. Lads, it's Tottenham, and this is the history of the Tottenham. <laughs> Are two caustic quotes about Tottenham from rivals that have kind of echoed through the years. And the Tottenham manager <laughs> is now saying this. <laughs> like, he, he is now hurling this at Tottenham. I just found that, like, just such an extraordinary... Um, such an extraordinary moment, and I can't, and like really, just awful actually. When you when, like the like a bully taunting Tottenham about their weakness, you know, like what what annoys me about it is he is explaining his own failure at Tottenham by making an essentialist argument about Tottenham, which is that they are weak. Tottenham are not serious. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they're faint hearts. They're budgie hearts, lads. It's Tottenham. This is the history of the Tottenham. This is not what people. This is not. This is not what people want to hear. It's like he was mentioning Everton. No, but it's, said, it, but, but, but it's but it's but it's self justification at this stage, isn't it? Because oh. it's he. Uh, uh, at best, he's going to see it through. And by the way, this is one of those 
you know, this he could have been sacked by the time people are listening to this. Yeah. Already, it was fairly obvious he was going to be gone at the end of the season. Uh, his contract is up anyway. And over the last week or two, he's even been saying, oh, I'll probably be sacked before then. You know, who knows? Uh, you know, you had a massive go at the player, at the fans after. And they're, that's another one. He's blamed the fans for having too much expectation. So yeah. the fans are, aren't, are, have too much expectation and want too much success. The players don't have enough expectation and are happy just being middling. But sorry, my point was going to be that what he's doing here is, if not actively looking to get sacked earlier, at least prefacing any potential sacking during the the... We know this, you know, it could be his last press conference as Spurs manager, and he wants to put it out there that it's not his fault that they haven't succeeded under his watch. Yeah, and and I I I mean, for me, what he's doing is is counterproductive because it's so obvious that he's doing this. You know, it's so obvious that he's pointing finger at everybody else. He's going on about responsibility. He's not taking it. You know, he's not accepting it for himself. He keeps saying, well, the manager must take responsibility. But what about the players? And you're like, well, you're not, ta- you're not taking responsibility. You're pointing at everybody else. I would not give this guy a job. Like, you know, I mean, uh, luckily for Antonio Conte, it's unlikely that that situation is going to come up, that I'm going to be the person going, well, I don't think we should hire Conte. Did you see that press conference? But like, this is, why, why would you hire a guy like this? Like, if it goes well, he will take all the credit. If it goes badly, he'll blame everybody else and throw everyone under the bus. Uh, and he'll be really nasty and unpleasant about it as well. You know, he, he's he's sitting there like with this sour face, like this sarcastic face, like the, literally, I just, I honestly found it like a disgusting performance. Like it's worse than... What about the argument that this is what Tottenham need? It's worse than what? Sorry, go well, on. It's, it, it's worse than uh, anything I can remember Mourinho doing. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's. I guess it's similar to the... Remember Mourinho's awful press conference at Man United where his football heritage, where he, where he came out and explained that Manchester United couldn't beat Seville in the Champions League because they didn't have football heritage. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. That, I mean that was a that was a really bad moment. This is similar to that, but like less, like with less style, I suppose. <laughs> what about the argument though? What about the argument that this is what Spurs need? That he's right. That there's a lot of truth in what he's saying, and that they need these home truths delivered to them, even if it is by a departing manager who's just burning his bridges behind him. But but what what are the what are the home truths? I mean, they they were three one up in a game. He orders them to to play five four one, which is what they're doing. Uh, at that point, like there, you, you can see if you if you look if you look back in the game, you can see Southampton make their comeback, but Tottenham are there in their um, you know pretty rigid defensive system that they've clearly been told to adopt by their manager. They see the initiative Southampton, they get unlucky. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a penalty which is a, a you know a dodgy enough one um, after the the first goal uh, goes in, and oh, you know they've they've had a bad result. So what do they? And, and now, how, how does it improve the situation to have this bully um, who won't accept any responsibility himself to come out and just insult them and abuse them? I mean, I just. I don't think it does. No, I don't think it does improve the situation short term. I don't think that's what he's trying to do either. I don't think he's trying to get a response out of the players. I think it's past that at this point. But my point is that the, these are players that can't win a trophy. They haven't been able to win this trophy that Spurs have been banging on about for years and look as though they're going to blow a Champions League spot this season because Newcastle are within two points of them. They're, they're still in fourth place, it should be said, but Newcastle are within two points of them with two games in hand. And maybe there are players there who are too comfortable where they're at that, you know, scrapping around for fourth spot is about is about all that that they seem comfortable doing. Well, I'd, I'd love to know which players he's talking about who are who are too comfortable. Like, I mean, you know, he's 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 
bought a lot of the players. He's had the squad for a while. He's got rid of a bunch of players. What is it? Who is it that he's complaining about? Why do players play badly for him? You know what? I mean, I know he, he says it's obviously their fault. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is partly their fault. But just the way that he's just trying to shift the blame. To me, I, if I was you know, hiring a coach for a big club, I would no longer consider Antonio Conte, which is a huge change in my, posi- in my opinion about him. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, when he took the Tottenham job, I thought, yeah, this is, this is definitely a good manager of Tottenham, but he's proven himself totally unsuitable for it. Who, who exactly is he saying he could manage? Could he manage Man City? You know, I mean, is he saying, uh, like, you know, you know it, it just seems as though if you're managing almost every club, um, you're going to have to, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have difficult moments. And if this is the way that you respond to them by, by pointing the finger at everyone and blowing everything up, like you're not cut out for the job. You know what I mean? He, he's always finding someone else to blame. It was, it's kind of similar to what happened at Chelsea. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's really ugly this time. And I think embarrassing, embarrassing for him. And um, yeah, the sooner they, they get rid of him, the better. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We had a lot of reaction to your Trent Alexander-Arnold Columbus egg analogy from last weekend. Where you pointed out the obvious solution to Liverpool's midfield issue is to move Trent Alexander-Arnold from right back to his rightful position at centre mid. Uh, the, the Columbus egg analogy, just a reminder, basically Columbus challenges a bunch of dudes to try to place an egg upright. They all fail and eventually. How did, he, how did he do it again? He showed them how obvious it was. He just basically wrapped it down so that it'll, the bottom part of it was, was crushed flat and then it sat there on, the, on that sort of flat bit and then they were like, oh, we didn't know you could do that. And he was like, yeah, well, exactly, that's my point. Dickhead. There you go. Well, James O'Donnell tweeted, an egg can also be balanced on its end by just doing it very carefully. None of, none of the shenanigans from Columbus. We used to do it in groups. I'd say about 30% on average managed to balance the egg after five minutes. So you, you Tim emails. Yes, go on. You, you, can just, you can just balance it by doing it carefully. I don't believe that. I, I, I mean, uh, there's only one way to find out, I suppose, Ken. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But I don't believe uh, it. But, uh, there is an old wives' tale that you, if you do it at midnight on the equinox, uh, on either of the equinox nights, according to the West Wing, um, there are a lot of questions to be asked there. Let's be honest, it's nonsense. Well, what happens if you do it on the... the, midnight? the uh, exactly midnight. If you attempt to balance an egg on its end, it will stay upright. Well, the equinox is, is coming up in the next couple of days, well, right? I mean, now's, it, uh, now's, now's the time. 
Ken. I mean, is it Greenwich Mean Time? want a bit of video content? Ken, trying to balance an egg. I mean, I'd watch it for a few minutes. Yeah. If you provided a commentary. Tim emails, the biggest issue with Trent moving to midfield is that Klopp doesn't trust anyone else to play right back other than Trent. While Liverpool's midfield options are limited, Klopp has found ways around this, such as playing a front four against Madrid. But they have no such workaround for right back. It shows their issues with recruitment. With Ken's suggestions of swapping, swapping Trent with Milner being Columbus's egg, if Liverpool had used that plan against Madrid, then the idea of Vinicius Jr. running straight at James Milner for an hour and a half would result in more of a Spanish omelette Oof. than a Columbus egg. And Liam O'Reilly says, what never seems to come into this discussion is the idea of a shift in formation. I wonder where they're playing three at the back might suit this Liverpool side, given the lack of midfield options and their relative strength at centre-half. A backline of Kanate, Matip, Van Dijk, with Gomez providing cover, would allow Trent to play in a more advanced position, not have to worry quite so much about defending transitions. It might also allow him to get more of a feel for playing in midfield, even if it's not exactly the same as playing on the right side of a midfield three. I don't see him ever doing that. I think he's a back four man. I know, and I, he's a back four and front three man. Uh, your club three four three. I think the, yeah, I mean maybe, um, but I don't think he will. I just don't see him as a. As a I mean, he has to do something drastic though. I mean, if he's if he's going to do something as drastic as you want him to do and put it right back in midfield, it's not drastic. Sure he, it's not right. It's not, your, your categories are all wrong, Owen. I've, I mean, I've tried to explain this so many times. <laughs> you receive money, Owen. You receive, you receive money to be professional. And yet you, you come back and you make the same mistake. You know, you receive a lot of money. So, a lot of money. You know, how can, I, I, I feel this is not acceptable. You need to take uh, responsibility. Yeah, fair. All right, that's it for today's show. Thanks, Ken. Thanks Thank for you, Owen. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Kieran. Thanks for listening. A uh, reminder, the Second Captain's Podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. You can get all episodes ad-free if you sign up now to the World Service on secondcaptains.com. We're going to be bringing plenty of coverage of the international football and loads more over the next few days. So we hope to see some of you then. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.